You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Our first Bible reading for this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honour you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Our second reading for this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 to 31. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and, and let her works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Lisa. And well, maybe uh, your ideal picture of the perfect family, I'm wondering what that is for you. Maybe you're pretty happy with your own family. Maybe that's your ideal picture of family. Or maybe your own family has only negative connotations for you. Uh, The concept of the ideal or the less than ideal family has captured our imaginations pretty much since the introduction of colour television in 1953. That's right, I had to look that up on Google. Sitcoms and stories uh, revolving around family have filled our network hours ever since. Shows like I Love Lucy or The Brady Bunch or the formidable Everybody Loves Raymond all the way through to The Simpsons and uh, of most recent critical success, Modern Family. 
I've only named a small handful uh, compared to the actual list out there. And interestingly, the online article Big Think, it says that hit shows are like societal mirrors capable of reflecting the cultural zeitgeist whose likeness they try to record. We are enamoured with the idea of watching ourselves play out on TV and we love these shows because they often make fun of those things in our everyday family life that we take for granted or we find strange ourselves. This morning we're in our second last week of our Proverbs series and we're going to be looking to Proverbs for ancient wisdom for an ancient institution. In fact, two ancient institutions Today I'm combining the themes of marriage and family. Marriage would have been a separate week, but we cut one week when we had our church camp. Fortunately, the two go hand in hand. Not always in a nice way. Maybe even for some people, it's actually in a very traumatic way. From those who have grown up with parents who weren't married to those whose parents separated or divorced as they grew up, to those who have been married but are no longer married. Our experiences of family and marriage are vastly different. Before diving into what Proverbs has to say about family and marriage, it's worth remembering this morning that Proverbs are not promises. The authors of these Proverbs and God as the ultimate author uh, recognise that these principles of wisdom are being spoken into a fallen and broken world, which means that while Proverbs might hold up the ideal, it is under no illusion that humankind in its own strength will get this right, and yet it is convinced that the path to wisdom, if it can be found, is the path to human flourishing, even for our families and marriages. So right from the outset of this sermon, what needs to be clear is that the gospel has had the final word on our families and marriages. Our experiences are not the truth that will come in new creation. All things, including our broken relationships, broken marriages, tensions and sins between parents and children and relatives, our brothers and sisters, all of this will be sanctified and glorified in new creation. And the reality that we live in now is not the reality we will live in with Jesus. And this is good news, even for those of us who have had only positive experiences of family and marriage. With all that said, let's come to Proverbs to see how it calls us to live. Uh, to help us navigate these themes today, uh, we'll look through two main points. Firstly, the honour of family, and secondly, the humility of family. Is this like super ringy for everyone? Is it killing people? No? Not too bad. Okay, cool. It's just me. It's just, I'm in the echo chamber. Point one, the honour of family. As I mentioned in the first week of our Proverbs series, our family is at the core of how Proverbs is written and even collected. The framework for Proverbs is a wise father giving wise instruction to his son. And the concept of honour flows right throughout the pages of Proverbs and in fact throughout all of Scripture. Uh, if you look again to our reading this morning that Lisa read for us, Proverbs 1 through, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 through to 9, it says, Hear, O sons, 
a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honour you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Ultimately, the father is pleading with the son to honour his words. To really hear his commandments, to respect the words of his parents, because in these wise words, there is life. Verse 4 to alludes, to, uh, alludes to a theme that is threaded throughout Scripture, the theme of honouring your mother and father. It says, keep my commandments and live. Those words should take our minds back to Exodus chapter 20 and the giving of the law by Moses to the people. The fifth commandment that Moses gives to them, it says, honour your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land, that the Lord your God is giving to you. The Apostle Paul also commentates on this verse in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 6, he makes it clear that this is the first promise, the first commandment with a promise. The promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And we'll come back to Paul's words on family in just a moment. But this is helpful for us to see how this theme threads right throughout. There is a constant reminder that honouring our parents is a godly thing, that it reflects the relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. So what does Proverbs have to say about how to honour our mother and father? Well, it certainly has a lot to say, uh, but we are going to zoom in this morning on just two specific things, uh, and that is listening, firstly. Really listening, paying attention. Hearing not just with our ears, but with our hearts. Listen to the words of the wise father uh, with his sons through our passage. Uh, just sort of walking through the passage. He says this, he says, be attentive. He says, do not forsake. He says, let your heart hold fast my words. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. The way that children honour their parents is to listen, to heed their words, to trust them, to live by them, to prize them, holding to the hope that by honouring the words of your mother and father, there is long life to be found in the gift of their wisdom. We see this in other places in the Old Testament, also in Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament, we find what's called the Shema, a praise of affirmation of who God is. And parents were charged in Deuteronomy 6 to constantly speak these words to their children that they might know the ways of God. And their children are commanded to listen to these words. And it's this beautiful vision of parents speaking 
children listening and all involved having their hearts lifted in praise to God. So the question for us this morning is, how are you honouring your mother and your father? Are you listening to their words? Do you bring your life questions to them? Are we holding on to their wisdom as prized goods? Now this morning, I want to recognise and acknowledge that not everybody in this room has parents that they can go to whether that's because your biological parents are no longer alive or the relationship is so strained and uh, traumatic that there's just no path of relationship available right now. I want to encourage you this morning, uh, firstly, that if you're mourning that situation, your brothers and sisters in Christ are mourning that with you too. And also, I want you to hear these words this morning Uh, Not as, well, I don't have that opportunity anymore, but begin, if you don't have already, begin praying and asking God that he would give you spiritual parents who would rise up in this body of faith around you, uh, that you may apply God's commands here directly to those men and women that God will put in your life in order to help you flourish and understand who Jesus is. The other key aspect of honour that we want to see from Proverbs and across Scripture is how we exemplify honour to one another. Lisa also read for us today Proverbs 31, 10 uh, through to 31. And this is a, a poem in praise of the ideal woman. Now, many women read this and feel immediately overwhelmed and beneath Standard, many of the wives that I know would describe their lives as survival. They are run off their feet, always two steps behind their busy schedules, and the overwhelming sense is that they are great failures. Men, it's time to pay attention. Anyway, just emotions ran up for a second. Anyway, they're gone now. Um, Because while this poem articulates a beautiful vision for a strong and successful wife, if you read carefully, you'll notice that the intended audience is men and that the role of cultivation is highlighted. What does it mean to be a husband? Well, it means to be one that cultivates one that cultivates his wife, his children, his home, one that does all in his power to point those in his care to Jesus. And so what does cultivation look like? Well, we have an example of it here in verses 28 to 31 of Proverbs 31. Uh, But this example shouldn't just be heard by men or by husbands. This actually is something that all of us need to hear this morning, heed this morning, and recognise that we are called to this morning. Verse 28 to 31, make it clear that we honour one another through example. It says that her children rise up and call her blessed. I don't know about your family, but my kids do not have a natural habit of waking up in the morning and calling Hannah blessed. (laughs) Or even of recognising that they are blessed to have her as their mum. My kids wake up in the morning and cultivate a culture of chaos. But the indictment is actually upon me. 
Check out the next line of verse 28. It says, her husband also, he praises her. Ray Ortland commenting on these verses, he says, a husband cultivates his wife by setting a high tone of praise in their home. No put-downs, no fault-finding, no insults, not even neutral silence, but rather bright, positive, life-giving praise. He says, the, the wise husband, that many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Now, you can probably hear the deflating of men's dispositions in the room as we sit under the weight of this. The vision for family and marriage, even in just these few verses, is so counterintuitive and so countercultural uh, to us right now that it doesn't just seem hard, this all seems impossible. Men, we are called to exemplify to our children and the world around us a life of praising, lifting up, and encouraging our wives. And women, while these verses should never be turned into weapons wielded against you to conform to some sort of man-made image of perfection, this is God's vision for your life. You also need to feel the weight of these words as they strike against the standard of either yourself or that the world holds up, which is ultimately so much less than God's perfect vision. Verse 30 says something very important for all of us this morning. It says that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Sisters, what kind of woman are you trying to be? One caught up in charm and beauty, one that tries to win the affections of others through flattery and vanity? Or are you caught up in the fear of the Lord? Eyes and hearts fixed on who Jesus is. Kathleen Nielsen, uh, commentator on the book of Proverbs, says this about this verse. She says, The joyful security found only in the Lord is most wonderfully communicated as this woman laughs at the time to come. This woman lives in relationship with the Lord, fearing him and following his word, and so she has confidence in the future, knowing her hope will never be cut off. This morning, if you're single here today, whether, whether you're single and you're longing for a spouse, which is a good desire to have, or if you're single and you're content in your singleness, which is a good contentment to have, these words are also necessary for you. Sisters, don't be sucked into the lie that your outward beauty defines you. Don't be sucked into the lie that you need to be witty or charmful, that you need to be able to impress with words or anything. The ideal that Proverbs holds up is a woman who fears the Lord, one who knows who Jesus is, what he has done, and one who rests completely in his finished work. And brothers, this morning, this is a warning to check your vanity. Too many of us men have had our standards for a wife in the wrong place. If you long to be married, find you a woman captivated by Jesus. Put aside your rubbish 
sin-filled ambitions for a woman and grab a hold of this more glorious vision for who for you to pursue, who you'll cherish and cultivate to the glory of God. Church, God's picture for our flourishing is so much better than we can imagine. It's so much better than we can come up with for our own lives and it is certainly so much better than those family sitcoms can promise. As funny and often endearing as they might be. But church, this is God's vision for human flourishing. It's men honouring women, women honouring men. It's husbands and wives honouring one another as examples to their children who are learning this culture of honour. It's single women and men looking to honour one another, whether it's in dating relationships or satisfied singleness. You know, I was encouraged a few weeks ago speaking to our, a couple in our church who had recently turned back to Jesus they were talking about the Christians from our church, uh, Christians that they had met at different kids' parties uh, before they started coming along to our church. And they mentioned that what struck them, what stood out to them about these conversations with Christians from our church was how the wives and husbands spoke so well of each other. They weren't gossiping about them or putting them down. They actually noticed their love and honour for one another. Church, what a witness this is of God's kindness. That a beacon to those far from Jesus of the community that exists here would be how the men and women talk about one another in those environments. Now, remember what I said about at the start about the ideal. Anyone here who is someone's child, all of us, or you're married or you have parents, we all recognise that there are flaws in the system. I'm blessed to have an incredibly loving, nurturing and faithful parents, but even in my overwhelmingly positive experience, it would be foolish to think that every word they've ever said to me was ultimately helpful and lead me to have a long life of wisdom. And I'm absolutely sure that there are people here this morning whose experiences of their parents are only negative and likely abusive. For a lot of people, the idea of honouring our parents through listening to their words is a difficult task. Probably even impossible, maybe even dangerous. Because of the fallen nature of our world, because all of us since Adam and Eve have been born into sin. Each of us faces this conundrum. How do we honour the words of people who have hurt us? Also, if you're married here this morning, you know that you don't live up to this ideal. The ideal of mutual honouring, the ideal of being godly examples to our kids. I'm sure we have moments but ultimately our hearts are flawed. We desire our own honour, not God's and not anyone else's. So what is our solution? How are we to change? And we had an elders meeting on Monday night and just going around the room, hearing from one another how we're doing, how we can pray for each other. All of us mentioned we're struggling in these areas. That's our eldership. 
struggling with marriage and family to do that honourably before God. All of us wrestle in these areas, have tensions. We are not perfect in the areas of marriage and family. So what is our solution? Church, how do we change? We look to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who has lived out this principle perfectly. Jesus perfectly obeyed his heavenly father. Hebrews 4 tells us that Jesus was without sin. Jesus perfectly obeyed his earthly father and mother, as we read about in Luke 2, 51. And even when it looks like there's an opportunity for Jesus to be sinning against his parents, when Mary and Joseph lose him, uh, and they're like, where is he? And then they find him, and Mary's like, hey, Jesus, you meant to tell us where you're going. He's like, mom, didn't you know, obviously, I was going to be in my father's house, going about my father's business. And it's like, that's meant to be a moment of us looking at Jesus and go, ah, Jesus got one thing wrong. But then when you zoom out, you realize, no, Mary and Joseph got that wrong. Jesus was doing what his heavenly father told him to do. Jesus was honouring his father and mother, both uh, his earthly parents, but also his heavenly father in that moment. Jesus lived it perfectly. And while there is an example for us to learn from in Christ's obedience, the power of the gospel is not that we have a good example, but that we have a perfect representative for us before our Heavenly Father. Because Jesus was the perfect son, the perfect brother, the perfect friend, serving our perfect God, because he perfectly obeyed the fifth commandment to honour your father and your mother, we are now gifted his right standing with our Heavenly Father. We look to the one who for our sake and for the sake of our parents, our children, our spouses, our friends, took upon himself the penalty for all our sin and rebellion. God and his great love for us exhausted his righteous wrath and anger for sin on Jesus. He took our place and now we live in his righteousness. Now this doesn't mean that we are instantly perfect at marriage and family overnight, but it means that we are free from the condemnation of that law against our complete inability to keep it perfectly. Free from our continued failure to honour our father and mother. Free from our failure to love God and neighbour. And we are given through Christ's righteousness and his Holy Spirit all that we need to desire this ideal that God has envisaged for us. And we can, weak as we are, begin to participate in God's vision. Mothers, fathers, children, those single and longing for a spouse or those single and content, because of Jesus, we can now pursue this ideal that God holds out to us in the pages of his wisdom. Which leads me to my second point this morning, the humility of of family. You know, thinking back to all those family sitcoms, we can be tempted at times uh, to be convinced that they are the ideal. Many of them often speak good messages of kindness and forgiveness, maybe except for The Simpsons. But what all of them lack is Christ at the centre. 
In another letter from the Apostle Paul, he again uh, leans on Jesus' summary of the law to love God and love neighbor. And he, he gives the Colossian church instructions for their families and households and what the gospel means for those relationships, what it means to have Jesus at the center. If you've got your Bibles, come with me to the New Testament. I'm going to be reading Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 18 and read through to 4, 1. The Apostle Paul says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Do uh, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. These words from the Apostle Paul, they echo the words right throughout Proverbs. And in fact, if you go and do a little bit of a word study on family or on marriage right throughout Proverbs, aside from a few sort of uh, different ones that stick out as a little bit extra, pretty much the overall message of Proverbs towards family and marriages is honour. It's love and serve one another. And Paul's words here, they, they echo what we see throughout Proverbs as he instructs wives, husbands, fathers, mothers, children, servants, everyone in the household to live in this vision of honour. Hear how Proverbs 22, 23 to 25 explains it. It says, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction and understanding the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers is a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. The vision is one of rejoicing. It's a vision of family unity, peace, joy, of loving one another as we have been loved by the father in Jesus and the lived out realities of this are hopeful because we have Jesus. I've not been quiet about my struggles as a father, not just this morning, but over the last few weeks, my failings to love my kids well. And the word of Colossians 3.21, uh, it's piercing to my heart. I know that I have provoked them. I have discouraged them. And while the words of Proverbs 23.25 is directed to the son or to our children. Again, the indictment lies with us as the parents. To raise them in such a way that they will be a joy, that they will see the love of God in Christ Jesus, that they will choose life by the Spirit of God, that they will heed wisdom and live well. And this is Paul's instruction by the godly example of a wife submitting to a husband by the godly example of a husband loving and not being harsh with their wife by the godly example of mothers and fathers 
wisely raising their children by the godly example of children obeying their parents by the godly example of masters and servants treating one another with sincerity of heart and fearing the Lord. By all these things, God is glorified, families flourish, and the beacon of the gospel shines forth into a broken and hurting world, a dim but hopeful image of the heavenly family that is ours to inherit through Christ Jesus, our Lord. But look at this. The context of what we've just read in Colossians 3, 18 to 4, 1 is made so clear to us back in verse 12. Uh, This entire section falls into Paul's instructions regarding how Christians live, not in a way to earn salvation, but because we are new creations in Christ, these instructions make clear how new creations live. Alive things live differently to dead things. As weird as that sounds. And so in verse 12, he instructs the Christians in Colossae and indeed you and me this morning to put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then he begins listing how you and I, because of the gospel, are to go about honouring one another and lifting one another up into this vision which Proverbs has cast. Come with me, sorry, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through to 17. Heed this list. He says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another and if any has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. There's a sermon on each moment with a comma just in those couple of lists there. He then continues on in verse 14, and above all else put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Church, I don't need to say much else on the how. Paul is making it pretty clear for us. We don't need a really long sermon of expositing how we go about living as new creation creatures. It's right there in very plain and easy to understand English. This church is how wives submit to their husbands. This is how husbands love their wives without being harsh. This is how children obey their parents in the Lord. This is how fathers and mothers raise their children, in the fear of the Lord, growing to know Jesus and be equipped to make Jesus known. This is even how God would speak to those who are single here this morning. Again, whether you're single and you're longing for a spouse or you're single and you're content in your singleness, here is how you grow in Christ's likeness and be a blessing. Be a blessing to your own biological family, But ultimately, and this is for all of us, 
This is how we all grow in grace towards the church family God has graciously placed us in. Now, there are plenty of great family discipleship resources available. Uh, Lisa put one up by Matt Chandler in the parents' chat a few weeks ago. You can go and check that out. I've been encouraged as I've been reading through and trying to learn from it. But let me encourage you this morning, sit down as a family or sit down as a married couple or sit down with your housemates or sit down by yourself or sit down with some friends after church at Tiger Eye over a coffee or sit down in your gospel community surrounded by your brothers and sisters in Christ. Sit down... And go through these verses line by line, pleading with the Holy Spirit to help you live these gospel realities out. That he would be growing in us compassion and kindness and the ability to bear with one another. Church, let's take Paul's words seriously. Let's speak God's word to each other. Let's sing together whenever we have the chance and continue to put on the garment of Christ's righteousness. We humble ourselves, we rest on Christ's finished work and we watch as God in his kindness grows us as his family, bringing many more women, men and children to know Jesus as our community continues to be a beacon of the hope we have in Christ through loving relationships, friendships, families, or gloriously coming together in God's providence as his family knit and joined together for the glory of God. This is the vision that God holds out to us in Proverbs and right throughout Scripture of what it looks like to be God's family as a church, little pockets of God's family as our biological families, and even smaller pockets of God's family as married couples or dating singles or singles in our church or in our community, people just looking to who Jesus is, growing in his likeness and shining the beacon of the glory of the gospel out in all the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that even in your word of old, one of your original ten commandments to honour our father and our mother, we thank you for that promise that you have given with that law to that we would have long life in the land that you are giving us. Father, we recognize that in our sin and fallenness, we are unable to keep that law perfectly. And we have used and abused our families, our marriages, or we have been used or abused in all sorts of situations throughout our lives. We are broken and fallen. And so we desperately fall upon Jesus Christ's perfect life. Thank you, Father, that you gave Jesus in our place, that he perfectly obeyed this command, that we may live in the righteousness of his life gifted to us. Help us today, Holy Spirit, to take your word seriously, to heed 
the goodness of the gospel and to begin living lives of honouring one another as we ultimately look to honour you with all that we are and continue to shine the gospel around us to all those far from you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.